Part of our worship and celebration today includes giving thanks for the lives of those who have died in the service of our country and in the work of bringing the peace that we enjoy today into reality, a peace that did not exist for them when they gave up their lives for the generations that would come. And we do that in the midst of the remembrance and celebration of the one who died for all, the one who died for the sins of the world, the one who offers new life to the dead, Jesus Christ. I was thinking about how we celebrate this day in the shadow, really, of all saints. But this time the shadow casts light, not darkness, on the situation. The light of a promise of peace. The light of the promise of eternal life. The light which promises hope to those who live in despair and violence and war and darkness. The shadow that casts itself in light across these things and across the dark places of our own hearts, the places of our despair, the places of our worry, is the light of the resurrection of Christ. The one who broke the bonds of oppression, the ones who broke the bonds of war and violence and intolerance and hatred and all the other negative words that you and I could ever come up with. You see, resurrection is not simply meant to be a theoretical thing, a fine academic point to be argued amongst the more intelligent. That's what the Sadducees believed. Some of you know who they were. So there were two primary parties, really, in the religious world of Jesus's day. There were the Pharisees, and that was really the path that he followed in many ways, who believed in the resurrection and in living the kingdom of God somehow now in this life. And then there were the Sadducees. They were the most elite in society. They were the richest, the most learned, the most powerful. So picture the difference between somebody ministering in a slum, trying to bring resurrection and hope to a hopeless people, versus somebody standing with a gin and tonic, arguing about the fine points of the theological idea of resurrection. That's basically the difference between the people that Jesus served, the people that followed him, and these people called the Sadducees. So it was really only a matter of time before they butted heads, as it were. Took them a while to get there because they didn't want to take such a rabble-rouser seriously. But when they do get there, they give him a riddle, really. They give him a kind of ridiculous scenario but one grounded firmly in the law of God. The law said that when a man dies, his wife is to then be attached to her brother. 
in order to try to produce children for the deceased brother. So in other words, the woman was treated like an object. She had no say. She was simply passed from one brother to another. And so when the Sadducees come up with their clever little riddle, which is, well, what if she goes through seven brothers? And at the end, she hasn't been able to produce a child. In other words, the fault is likely hers, not theirs. Therefore, her usefulness is nil because she cannot produce a child. What then, Jesus? What about this whole resurrection idea of yours? Whose wife is she going to be when she meets the seven brothers in heaven? And basically, Jesus' answer is, my goodness, you're small-minded. My goodness, you're small-minded. You have tried to pin down something so big, so radical, so new to your ways of thinking that you have missed the point entirely. Resurrection is not just a continuation of the old order of things, but a whole new realm of existence. Now that may sound like a theological argument to the Sadducees, who don't have too many other troubles in life, but to the general crowd that follows Jesus around, wondering where the next loaf of bread might come from, some wondering where they're going to sleep that night, Sound familiar in our neighborhood? The promise that things will be different and that the ways of the world will be turned over, that resurrection means the undoing of certain power structures, including the oppression of women, is welcome news indeed, isn't it? There's a wonderful blogger named Debbie Thomas with one B, if you ever want to look her up. Not Thomas with one B, but Debbie with one B. And she wrote this. I thought it was beautiful. She says, The children of resurrection know that the questions about Jesus are not academic questions. They are questions of life and death. And they must be lived into, not simply talked about. So imagine resurrection for the woman trapped in the Sadducees' story. Imagine her arriving finally, finally, in a place where her worth and her belovedness don't depend on her husband or her fertility or how much she appeals to men. Imagine her basking in the safe and unconditional and eternal love of the God who created her. That's the kind of radical world Jesus calls us to imagine as his brothers and sisters. That's the kind of radical world Jesus calls us to bring into fruition as we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth, as it is in heaven. Amen.